Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Good morning. Before we get started, the little kids are going to Children's Church. You can be dismissed right now if they're still in. No? Oh, cool. We got a few of them. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for being here this morning at Solomon's Porch. Uh, Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor, is in Oklahoma, and uh, she's one of my favorite communicators. And so I am privileged that she uh, had me speak today. We're going to wrap up this series of the gospel according to Dr. Seuss. This has been a dynamic series. So this morning we're talking about how the Grinch stole Christmas. Now the Grinch, he's a bad dude. Big, green, and ugly. I mean, he's just mean on the inside and out. I mean, this guy had to be bullied when he was a little kid. I mean, he must have been picked on. He just carried on for 53 years of his life. I mean, he had a heart, but it was how small? Two sizes too small. And I want to talk about another Grinch also in the Bible. This Grinch that we found, we find tucked away in this little part of the Christmas story that I know you're familiar with when the three mad the magi, the three wise men, they saw this star and they followed a star and they traveled to bring gifts to the baby Jesus. And tucked away in that big Christmas story, there's this little subplot about this guy named Herod. King Herod, King Herod, he, you'd think the Grinch was mean. Herod was like the Grinch on steroids. And so I want to look at this little story of uh, where he comes in in Matthew chapter 2. So it starts out like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked this question. Where is the one who has been born, born what? Say that word with me, born king of the Jews. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And that verse goes on and it says, in all Jerusalem with him. He was disturbed. Now, we got to read into this a little bit. He, he was disturbed. He was ticked off. He was angry. He was upset. He was furiated. I mean, in order to kind of see the why behind this, we've got to dust off the, the, the dust from the history books. See, Herod was born into power. His dad was king. And he was born into power. And all his life, he strived to get power, to gain power, to keep power. He would destroy anybody that came around that threatened his power. Anybody. Herod was a mean dude. In his early 20s, he watched his father die from a successful plot of these guys trying to uh, gather, get, get together this plan to poison his dad. And so he watched his dad die. And then at age 25, he took over as king himself. And one of the first things he did as king, Herod, was he threw this big party. And at the party, he made sure that he invited all the people that he knew was in on that scheme to have his dad poisoned. And so all those people were there. They all come to the party and the lights are on, the music's playing, they're eating, they're drinking. And listen, right in the middle of the electric slide, to the right, to the right, 
<laughs> King Herod calls out his hitmen and systematically kills off every person that had anything to do with the poison of his dad. Now, that was just the beginning of his 30-year reign. That's how he started it all. I mean, this guy was so messed up that he had his wife's grandmother and her brother killed. He had three of his own sons killed, one of them just a week before he died himself. Herod was messed up. He was a power-hungry king, did everything to keep power and gain power. About a week before he died, one of his sons was so, he thought, was so anxious for the throne that he had his son, one of his sons died a week before he died himself. That's kind of the why. When somebody comes and asks this king, where's the real king? We see why he was disturbed. This dude was so messed up to the day he died. He had this reality because he was sick for about a year before he died. And so he had this uh, reality that struck him that if he was to die, nobody was going to celebrate. Uh, nobody was going to mourn. Nobody was going to weep. Nobody was going to cry. And so what he did during those last days that he was alive is he called all the favorite sons and daughters of the most prominent people in the land and he threw another party. Now, I don't know if you're catching on to this, but it might not be a good thing to be invited to King Herod's party. <laughs> so he has the favorite sons and daughters, the most prominent people invited to this party. And at this party, he has those sons and daughters killed, knowing that when he dies, they're not going to mourn his death, but there would be mourning and crying and weeping going on because of the loss of these people's favorite sons and daughters. Herod was a mess. Now listen, let's go back to that story in verse 3 there. Where it said, he was disturbed, and it goes on and says, and all Jerusalem with him. Listen, basically what that's saying is when King Herod is, is disturbed, everybody in J-Town is disturbed. When King Herod's mad, everybody better be mad. Are you going to get invited to one of his parties? <laughs> and then the next verse says this. The Magi are there. They're with Herod. And Herod tells them, he says, go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word. And I'll join you at once and worship to him. Now listen, let's go back to the Dr. Seuss story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Do, do you remember uh, when the Grinch was going around? He was stealing all the stockings and all the, the trees and all the lights and everything. And he got to this one house and a little girl came out, a little girl named who? Cindy Lou Who. That's who. <laughs> and Cindy Lou catches him in the act. And what does somebody like that do when little Cindy Lou who catches them in the act? Well, lie, of course. And she believed his lie and he went on. And Herod is no different. What does somebody do who's in power, who wants to keep power, who's threatened by this news of a new king, a Messiah? What does somebody like that do? Well, they lie, of course. And so he pretends to be just as, you know, passionate about worshiping this new king as they are. And they actually believe him. 
They leave there and their thought is they're going to find his king. They'll go back and they'll tell him. But then we see a few verses down where this angel appears to the Magi. The same angel goes on and appears to Mary and Joseph and tells them, lets them in on Herod's scoop. He says this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, says, Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. And so we kind of know, you know, that part of the story, the Magi, they, they, you know, listen to the angel, thank God, and they go a different route. And Mary and Joseph did the same thing, but Herod is so mad. When he finds out that this child was born, he's so mad that he figures up the calculations of when that star appeared and how long it would be. And he has every male child, two years old and younger, killed just to make sure that Jesus doesn't get into this world. Listen, in Dr. Seuss's book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he could steal the decorations and he could steal the trees and he could steal the stockings all filled with glee. But he still couldn't steal Christmas. And no matter what Herod had done, no matter who he took out, no matter how much power he had, he still couldn't kill Christmas. Still couldn't steal Christmas. But there's so many Grinches in your life and in mine. I mean, it's, it's like every day, you better get ready for battle because you already know that there's gonna be some Grinch come in and try to steal something from you, try to steal your joy, maybe try to steal your peace, maybe try to steal your, your bank account, try to steal something. There's all these Grinches that come in, try to steal your marriage, try to steal your kids. I mean, every day we wake up, we face some kind of Grinch. And if we were to go around the room and everybody write something on the paper, I guarantee that every single person could write something of some kind of Grinch, whether it's a person or a circumstance or a situation. We would all have some kind of Grinch that's trying to steal something from us. And listen, ultimately trying to get to Jesus. See, as a Christ follower, Christ is in you. And there's Grinches in the world who's always trying to get to Jesus. But Christmas in you, Christ in you, cannot be stolen. You see, sometimes it feels like it's gone. Sometimes it feels like it's been taken. But if Christ is at the center, it's not. And see, this is why it's so important this is why we do what we do as Christ followers. This is why churches have services and invite people in. This is why we encourage people to go out and tell people about Jesus because it's the difference of life and death. It's the difference of heaven and hell. It's the difference maker. Because you see, if you don't have Christ in you, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never stepped across the line of faith, then all those things are temporary. Your joy can be stolen. Your peace can be taken. And those things can easily be swiped in a moment's time. But Jesus can never be taken. Listen, John 16, it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I remember 23 years ago or so, I was teaching middle school uh, at a middle school in, uh, in Kentucky. And I remember that my principals had 
told me that I couldn't tell students about God, but if a student asked, I could answer their questions. And so I don't really remember what was going on at the time, but that, that's, all, that's, that's, that's the end I needed. And so I remember in my middle school class, that somehow the conversation had come up about God. And so I said, hey, everybody come in. Stop what you're doing. New, new lesson. <laughs> and I called them all around and we began to talk about God. And I'll never forget, this was 23 years ago. I'll never forget how many of them in that group of about 30 students would go around and they would say, well, Mr. Mr. Kid, Mr. Barkle, uh, I used to believe in God, but then my grandma died. And somebody else would kind of say something similar. Well, I used to believe, believe in God, but but my aunt died. And it was like their, their belief in God depended on whether somebody lived or died or not. And it was so easy for God to be stolen. And I just have to believe that when we have that kind of thought system, a belief system, it's because God is on the outside of us. That we've never come to a place where we've truly surrendered our life to Christ and asked him to come into our life. Because when Christ is the center of it all, he can't be taken. Now listen, that doesn't mean that we're going to be happy all the time. Things aren't going to happen. I remember when my dad had a serious heart attack about seven or eight years ago. And I got the call. I was here in Valdosta and I got that, that phone call. And they said, Kelly, you, you know, your dad had a serious heart attack. It was early in the morning. It was early on a Sunday morning. And I stayed at the church and I spoke that Sunday morning. I took off from Valdosta to, to Covington, Kentucky. A 10-hour drive. And on that 10-hour drive, I just prayed like, God, I, I just hope you let me see my dad one more time. God, just, you know, just one more time. Just let me talk to him, God, just one more time. And on that 10-hour drive, when I got there, it was too late. And that Grinch tried to steal my hope. <laughs> but listen, when Christ in you is your hope of glory, it can't be taken away. Now, did I feel hopeless? Absolutely. Was I even upset? Was I angry? Absolutely. But that Grinch can't steal nothing when it's founded and centered on Christ. So many of us, you know, I've been married January, it'll be 24 years we've been married. And when Polly and I were first married, we, we moved into her, home, her hometown. And uh, her sisters were there and her mom and dad and you know, her friends and, and everything like that. And, and, of course, I'm like extremely extroverted, just a little, a tiny bit. And so, I mean, I knew a thousand people, you know, in that town too. And, and so I was so busy. I was teaching middle school and I was leading like three different Fellowship of Christian Athletes groups. And, and I was coaching a, a competitive high school cheerleading team that practiced seven days a week all the time. And uh, we do it. so I was never home, which really wasn't a problem because she had her mom and her dad you know and all this stuff but then God called us to move to Oregon from Kentucky to Oregon 2,500 miles away and we get there and the only people we know is each other I mean, we didn't know what to do <laughs> and I'm not like a real good talker you know one-on-one -on -one. like I can communicate to hundreds but like one-on-one -on -one, <laughs> I get get nervous and I thought I did the same thing. I was, I was working at the church. I was volunteering at FCA, volunteering with cheerleading, volunteering with the high school wrestling team, you know, all this stuff. And I, I never got mad. You know, we'd have disagreements, stuff like that. Nothing ever come. I just kept it all inside of me. 
everything inside of me. And finally, we went to this marriage conference that was about four hours away in Portland, Oregon. It was one of the big conferences in a coliseum where there's like 10,000 people there. We go through this conference and it was horrible because me and Polly, we were not happy with each other. <laughs> so we made ourselves go. And it, it, it was good, but it was horrible for us. Because we left that marriage conference and we started driving home. We had a four-hour drive. We're four hours from home. And boy, we start arguing. I mean, stuff from like before we got married, the first year of marriage, second year. Se this is about year seven. And we're fighting and I'm driving. I'm going down I-5, you know, the, the whole route down from like Washington back down to Southern Oregon, 80 miles an hour. And finally, I just had it. I just started punching that steering wheel. You better shut up. You and I'm hitting that thing. And then I break the horn. The horn's It's beeping. I'm going 80 miles an hour. The car's swerving all over. Man, it was a mess. And I pull over the first exit. The horn's still going. <laughs> Me and Polly are getting each other. The windows are fogged up. I'm four hours away. And somebody knocks on my window. And I roll the window down. And it was somebody from my church. <laughs> they said, I saw you swerving. Like, is everything okay? I said, it's all good. <laughs> Rolled it back up. <laughs> Woo! That Grinch trying to steal, trying to steal that marriage. Listen, sometimes God gives you action steps, you know. I mean, so often we have this myth like, oh, I have God, like, you know, I'll just depend on God. And I don't need nobody else. And God's like saying, I'm bringing you somebody else. <laughs> and so finally, you know, we had, okay, and went to this marriage counseling, you know, for the first time. And now I love marriage counseling. Now we've gone back periodically, even at the best stages of our marriage. Sometimes uh, the last time we went to a, to a guy, I was like, man, you and Polly, okay? Like, yeah, this is like the best our marriage has ever been. Why are you going to a marriage conference? Why are you going to counseling again? <laughs> because I, I want it to be better. I knew how it took me from this place to this place. So now I want to see if it's good. I want it to be great. So yeah, I want to go to counseling again. I'll take 11 or 12 weeks, you know? My wife thinks it's sexy anyway when I go to counseling. So <laughs> I'm on it. But listen, man, that Grinch will come in and try to steal that marriage. And it can't be based on, you know, feelings. <laughs> can't be based on emotions. But when it's based on both people's love for God, the sinner, then you'll do whatever it takes to not let that Grinch Steal Christmas, steal Christ in you, to steal anything that you know God has brought into your life and given you in, in your life. Maybe, maybe it's expectations for you. I mean, have you ever just kind of gotten involved in something? Maybe if it was a small business or just in a relationship maybe or, or maybe for your children and you just had these expectations for years of how this is going to be how it turns out. This is the way that it's going to go. This is the way that it's going to end. And all of a sudden life hits and that expectation that you've had for so long is crushed. Man, that Grinch will try to steal Christmas from you. That Grinch will try to steal your passion. No, we moved here 14 years ago and we, we planted, you know, a church from scratch. And, and I knew that God just had given us this vision, this dream 
to reach you know, hundreds of people that didn't know God that were far from Christ. And, and then you know, four or five years ago, as things kind of began to change in my mind, in my life, and I began to get depressed and down and, and just found myself sitting in an office, you know, just staring at a computer. Sometimes just crying is the only thing I knew to do because the dream that God gave me just wasn't working out. And, and I, I just began to pray again. And God, like, what is, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't it. And then God puts another person in my life. This time it wasn't a counselor, it was a life coach. And through this life coaching time of, you know, six months or more, this whole thing unveils of finishing a book and and going around and just traveling and sharing my story, you know, one man, one time. And opening a, a CrossFit, opening a, a, a place where I can be every day where people will come in that don't know God, who are far from God, who, who've never been to church before and won't go to church before. And so that was a few years ago. And now over the years, you know, with finishing the book and I've traveled all over the country and got to speak and I have kind of seen that dream come to fruition in a way that I never imagined it before when hundreds of people surrendered their lives to Christ. And then now just story after story, week after week from people coming in and finding God because they just came to a place to get healthy and get in shape to lose some, some, some weight. <laughs> and the Grinch, though, tried to steal that dream. But you just got to go back to the dream maker. You got to go back to Christ. Because listen, the Grinch can steal everything from the house and Herod could do everything to the people. But nobody can touch Jesus. Listen, see in the book, Christmas is a day. It's an event. It's a holiday. It's a season. In the Bible, Christmas is a person. Christmas is a human being. Christmas is Jesus. Christmas is the Messiah, the one that God carried in his arms as a baby as he walked down the staircase of heaven and brought into this world for you and for me. And he died on a cross when he stretched out his arms and he carried the weight and the sin of the world so that we could have life and have life to the fullest and have something more than happiness that could never be taken away because Christ in you is your hope of glory. The, the circumstances can't steal it. Your, your situations can't steal it. Your, your, your friends and betrayal and all that, nobody and nothing is too big, too green, and too ugly to steal Christmas from you. It can't be stolen. It can't be taken. Listen, it just can't happen. Nothing can separate God's love from you. The Bible says, it goes on to say, and I'm convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen, I don't know what your struggle is. I mean, I've just shared like just a few of mine and I could go on from the past, you know, 25, 30 years. But as a Christ follower, the Grinch wants to come in and he wants to steal everything that God's given you. And what we have to understand is that everything that God's given us is centered on Christ himself. There might be times that it feels like we lost our joy. We feel like we lost our hope. We feel like we lost our dream. 
But to know the fact, the truth, the reality is that with Christ in you, you've still got it all. It can't be taken away. And so some of you, listen, I know in a crowd this size that there has to be some who are here this morning. And listen, just as we've been talking over this last 30 minutes, like things are coming to your head. Like, yeah, you know, that the Grinch is trying to steal. And maybe you're so far in debt that it just seems like there's no way to get out. And the debt is like, and that Grinch has just stole that hope. That Grinch has stole that, you know, that, that, that thing. That belief that yes, it can happen. Maybe, you know, it's your marriage that's on the rocks. And it's right now that the Grinch is trying to steal that thing. Maybe it's something with your kids, your children. Something with somebody in the family. Maybe it's somebody that did something to you this week, last week, last month. Maybe it's somebody that did something to you years ago. And that Grinch still keeping you up at night. And today would be that day that you say, God, I'm going to count on you. I'm going to believe the truth, the reality that you are the center of my life. And I'm not going to let no Grinch steal anything that you've given me that you want me to have. So I want you to think as we wrap up, as we kind of play the end of the Dr. Seuss story. I want you to think about, is there a Grinch in your life that's trying to steal something that's special to you? Something that God's put in you? Something that God wants you to have? And I just want you to, man, even when the band comes and sings, to begin to talk to God about that. Just be honest with God. God, I, I, that you recognize that you're fighting a battle. That Grinch is working in this area or that area of your life and he's trying to steal something that God's given you, that God wants you to have, that God's put in your life, ultimately trying to get to Christmas itself inside of you. And then also I'm gonna come back up as the, when, after the band sings some of this song and, and I want you to know now that I also wanna give you an opportunity. Those of you who are here this morning and you've never crossed the line of faith, You've never fully surrendered your life to Christ. I'm gonna give you an opportunity this morning to make that decision, to go public with that decision. There's little cards that you got when you came on, a connect in when you, it's a connection card. And one of the things on that connection card uh, has a box that you mark saying, today I've accepted Jesus as my savior. And then that way the church can be, get back to you and help you take next steps and pray with you and pray for you and help you uh, on your spiritual journey. But listen, you have to know that all those things, the love, the joy, the peace, all those things, without Christ, they really are conditional. And so if you kind of haven't been able to wrap your brain around some of the stuff we've been talking about this morning, maybe it's because Jesus isn't in the center of your life that you've never really came to a place where you've surrendered your life to him and ask him to fully come in and live your life for him from here on out. Because you see, everything else can go up and down. It can be taken. But when Christ is at the center of all, when you surrender your life to him, that's when it can't be shaken or taken, stolen away. So maybe this morning you realize that life's been up and down because you've never really came to that place where you fully surrendered to him. And today, we want to give you that opportunity. Let's hear the end 
of the story. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends. Thank you.